you have idea what you're saying here. You know what we're talking about. You ready? I'm fucking always ready, mate. This is where he goes 100 miles an hour and just goes fucking... Goes all fucking Joe Parrish. No, I don't know what we're talking about, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yes team, how are we? Welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. Uh, Today I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dan Reeve. Dan has previously been on an episode not too long ago and shared an abundance of wisdom around him, his Decker Ironman and a whole host uh, of incredible kind of key uh, programming principles that I believe will help you with uh, your coaching acumen and your capacity to now be able to get better results uh, with your clients. We are currently away in Danoon, uh, spending a full day uh, mapping out the high performance coaching where we're going in 2024 and what are the roles and responsibilities and what are the key core strategies that we need to start to put in place to now be able to allow us to continue to deliver an even better quality experience for our clients and as a team, how we can now come together. So. Uh, obviously having the opportunity to now be not in such a cold room and Dan no longer has nip on uh, which is fantastic news uh, we thought we'd bring him back in and uh, do another podcast episode so Mr Dan Reeve how are you very good mate good 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 dude what are some of the biggest challenges that you see um, and or you feel as though that coaches make when it comes to programming for hybrid athletes or hy- becoming a hybrid athlete uh, loaded question Right Here we go. go off the bat, mate. Uh, I think it's probably just not having long, looking at it from a longer term picture uh, and having that structure based. So as a hybrid athlete, you need, there's plenty of different fitness qualities that you need. Uh, I think it's then structuring those over the course of a period of time, building them out and realizing, okay, what is the potential limiting factor for that athlete? Uh, what is their potential goal at that particular time? But then also trying to concurrently run the other aspects of it as well. I think it's quite, it's, it's not straightforward. Like there's not, unless you like go into it and you're gonna pay thousands of pounds to go and visit X, Y, Z coaches, there's not actually that much out there showing you how to build it out. One phase, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But that, then how then do you then develop off the back of that, the next one and the next one, and the next one and build that like athlete over year on year on year who's consistently evolving and getting better, not just like sort of like going up and down, up and down, rather than actually stepping, 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 stepping on. And what do you believe are some of the biggest when it comes to like program design, when looking at obviously that, obviously got the, the structure and the phases and now be able to obviously look at the longer term, but what do you now believe are some of the kind of the short term pitfalls that maybe some coaches make when they're looking at programming for like hybrid like I know a perfect example for me was like, I was trying to do 100% bodybuilding and then 100% running and then put the two together and it's like, oh, I'm a hybrid. <laughs> no, you're just, you're just a body, you're just trained like a bodybuilder who's now trying to run and now he's absolutely buggered because he actually can't do the both concurrently because it's way too much volume. So yeah. what are some of the biggest challenges you see in terms of like the, the program design with respect to that and the, the thought process with that? I think it is the, the volume aspect of it, it is like, Obviously, from someone, if, you, if you're going to take those two those two sort of things where you're, someone's potentially trying to run marathons there, those endurance goals are like really popular right now. And then training as a bodybuilder, you've got to respect the fact that there's only so much your body can take. And initially, when you set things up, the goal always has to be that minimal effective dose. And then slowly, you can gain and gain and gain from that point onwards, rather than throwing the kitchen sink at a client from day one. And then where do you go from there? There's only one way. It's going to be injury, illness. Somewhere, somewhere, shape or form. So can you scale it back to a level and then can you build, find out that sweet spot, which is what we're always trying to find. You then make notes of where that sweet spot is and then you can then try and go above 
like something may happen, then obviously you're gonna have to pull back and then you know that you can go back down to then come back up to that sweet spot again. People know that then. Yeah, how important do you feel as though it is for individuals obviously from a hybrid athletic background to be able to spend more time building aerobic capacity and spending more time in zone two? Because I know that you used to kill me because it says zone two and I was in zone five. <laughs> it also said calf raises and that was that basically yeah. meant bicep, bicep curls. curls yeah. <laughs> but what is what is zone two? What are the benefits of zone two and how important do you believe that is actually for an athlete or anybody? Generally? It's building efficiency. Like without going into the deep physiological aspects of it, it's becoming efficient and economical is the main is the main thing. Efficient and economical both with your technique, both with how you're using fuel and how you're going to use fuel in the future. Uh, and it's the underlying principle behind whatever goal you're looking to achieve, whether that be run marathons endurance wise, or whether it be to recover from a really heavy strength set of threes and fives, or whether it be to, from a hybrid CrossFit style athlete, it's still, that's going to be your base level that you're going to continually work at to then actually build that engine to go to the faster levels, the, the Metcons, et cetera. So it's what you fall back on because it's, it's how you quickly you recover between sets. Mm -hmm. So you're able to then put more volume in within a session, within a set period of time because your body actually recovers faster. So if you haven't got that aerobic base, you're gonna, at some stage, you're gonna have to go back and develop it. It's not something that you're gonna get away with. You're gonna go back there. If you wanna get really, really strong, like there's no point in neglecting it because when you come to those heavy, 200 kilo squats, whatever it is, if it's taking you 10 minutes to recover before you can do another set, you might not have that amount of time or your client might not have that amount of time because they just haven't got that base. So they need to spend a bit of time building that aerobic base. The, the, the sort of like rest periods can come down, fit more volume in that, that denser period, more sessions you can do, more weights you can lift over the course of time that compounds and that's where you're getting your results from. What do you believe stops people from spending enough time doing that aerobic zone two work? Same thing that stops people doing it. everything. It's just the ego. How do we do that? That's the question that we get asked quite a lot. How do I, how do I go run in zone two? Just, just slow down. Nobody wants to be told to be slowed down, but unfortunately it's just, you do it for a period of time. And the guys who buy into that process, go for it, benefit from it massively. And within a few weeks, the pace that they were running at previously, they're now running at that same heart rate. So just, just slowing down for a period of time, become efficient, become economical, like learn to use different fuel sources, learn to actually stride, learn to control your breathing, learn to control your heart rate. And moving forward, you're just only gonna benefit from that. Yeah, I think, again, that was like a big lesson for me was like actually being able to not trust the process, always trust the process, but actually now realizing that actually you don't have to go fast, hard and heavy all the time. Because when I was in my teens, early 20s, it's like you can get away with that and you can make pretty easy progress. But like you said, it's like, it's always going to come back to bite you in the ass and it's actually now realizing you're either going to have to do either do the work now or you're going to have to do the work later it doesn't it does make a difference but it's like it's going to catch up with you yeah and like even when you'd have done that previously like when you played football the the sessions were still would have been structured so that 80 percent of your time you're probably spending most of your time in zone two mm -hmm. like those drills that you're doing on the pitch or the the time you spent actually just like working on formation stuff, et cetera. That's probably where you're in your zone two and you're spending most of your time doing that. And then you're, you're doing that bits of hard work here and then the sprints that are then making a difference at top end, but they're doing it for a reason. Again, like we forget that sometimes that if you look over the course of your week is that, are you spending 60, 70, 80% of your time in that zone two? And like, if you think about it, if all you're doing is lifting weights, you probably are because most of the time your heart rate might spike up for that, that, that session, uh, sorry, that, that set, 
And then afterwards, all you're doing is you're bringing that heart rate back into zone two, resting in that recovery period, and then you're going back in again. And then actually, if you look to that over the course of the session, you'll probably find that your average heart rate will be in that zone two area, and you've probably spent 80% of your time in that zone two. That's what a normal session, if you've given the right tempos, rest periods, should look like as well. Yeah, and when it comes to looking at it from a program design perspective, obviously we get a lot of our coaches that basically come to you and they're like, oh, maybe I'm planning on doing this, or I basically put together this program for said person. What are some of the key things that you now typically look for when uh, you're, when a coach is asking for feedback on how they program for a client? I'm just looking to hear what their uh, rationale is behind their choices. Like there's no, there's so many ways to skin a cat. Like so many ways to get strong, so many ways to get fit, so many different methods that you could choose. And there's no right or wrong thing. I'm not here to dictate one way to a particular person or to say that this is the only way to do it. I'm here to help them put another eye, a more experienced eye over it, to listen to the reason why they've chosen that, why they've chosen that particular one and go, brilliant, yeah, great, that's the right thing to do. Or actually, maybe have you thought about this or have you thought about the repercussions of that on that? Why would you potentially have it this way? And all I want here is just justification, rationale, and give them the feedback and give them the confidence to then know that what they're prescribing for their athletes, their clients, is going to be the right thing to them go forward. So then they then go to their client, they're with that confidence that actually, yes, this is the, we are going to get the results. And we know that if we believe it, then you're more likely to believe it. Therefore, then they're more likely to buy into the program. Therefore, they're more likely to like be consistent and achieve the results they want to achieve. Yeah. I completely agree. And in terms of looking at things, um, if I kind of shift gears to Metcons, AMRAPs, EMOMs, all these things that have become far more kind of popularized in, in kind of more recent uh, like times, in terms of now looking at obviously like the scaling progressions and regressions, obviously with that, I think sometimes obviously there's this tendency to basically go EMOM, AMRAP, some type of conditioning work. Let me just now put I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill you, kill you. This is hard, this is hard, this is hard, this is hard, this is hard. And how can I basically make it as difficult for like one individual? If you're now looking at putting those um, like in place, what are some of the key things that you would now consider um, and or think about when designing those styles of like training methods? Yeah, again, it's the same things that like you would do with your, uh, your strength work. You've got to have that minimal effective dose initially and then you've got to have somewhere to go. Like... A lot of this style of thinking was, and I remember it so much during COVID was, people suddenly, they're training at home. It's like, right, cool, training at home. Uh, we don't know how long this is gonna be for. Therefore, once we train at home, we need to initially do the least we can do to keep the main, to maintain what we've got or give ourselves somewhere to go. So when I'm seeing people doing five sets of 20 on 10 different exercises, I'm thinking, great, like how long are you gonna last doing that? Or where are you gonna go from here? Like, so it's the same thing when we think about our AMRAPs, Metcons, and we categorize them in all the same things. We're looking at the volume so we can scale it by time. Mm -hmm. We can scale by, okay, initially you want to work for less time and then you add the volume up as you're going along. So your AMRAP could be 10 minutes, could be 12 minutes, could be 14 minutes. You build it over time. The intensity, you can build the amounts, the weight you're lifting. You could be working for the same amount of time, 10 minutes, but you've now using 10 kilo, 12 kilo, 14 kilo dumbbells. So again, it's the same thing, density can you, you're doing an AMRAP rather than an EMOM. Mm -hmm. So suddenly an EMOM is like you're doing the same amount of work, an AMRAP, now you're doing as much as you possibly can. You've got four rounds in, can you fit five rounds in? Obviously they're the ways that you'd generally think most people would, would program them. Those are the, I'd like to think that most coaches are gonna look at those things. But then I'm now looking at, right, okay, 
we've got that. How can we then also phase these things in? If we've got four exercises now, and we're trying to work on work capacity, and we want to build this over, let's say, four different phases, so 12, 16, 20 weeks or what have you, I'm looking at, okay, in phase one, if we've got four exercises, and we're looking to build work capacity, so like CV fitness, how many of those movements are gonna be high heart rate movements? If I put four in, I go rower, skier, prowler, treadmill, that's like, I maxed it out. There's nowhere to go from that. If I'm not changing the times, then how can I, I can't make that any harder. I can't suddenly go treadmill with a like weighted vest on or like whilst doing burpees on the treadmill. Like I can't really do that. So it's like, can you scale it back and go maybe the treadmill into a mobility movement, into the ski erg, into a strength movement. So therefore I've categorized it with two work capacity movements, a strength movement and a mobility. The next phase I can then add maybe another strength movement in which is gonna keep the heart rate up a bit higher. I could then the third one, add another CV element in there and a mobility. So I've now got three. And then on the final one, I could then hit them with the four and then I can cycle it back around again, etc. So that's just one way. Again, another way would be maybe complexity. So we can look at making, changing a movement along, making it more of a skill-based thing. So for instance, you could start with something as simple as literally a dumbbell clean and press. Like, okay, so not that particularly complex. We're just literally gonna make it relatively easy. We could then go into like a dumbbell thrust, like a thruster. So now we've added the squat movement into the pattern. We could then go into like a, an actual barbell clean and press. So now we're going into, sorry, a barbell like actual clean and press, so squat clean and press. Mm -hmm. So they actually squat down and they press up as well. And then you could go into maybe a snatch, a dumbbell snatch. So you've actually made it considerably harder as you're moving along. You could change the ranges of motion. You could use the same movements, but like you go from dumbbell clean and press where you're standing, you're standing in or you're doing there. We could add the thruster into it where we're then suddenly we've added a bit of squat motion. We could then go from the floor and then actually make it into a full, full motion. So again, there's ways that you can, there's levels to which we can add this. I think it's important when you throw these things, to, you're not just throwing these things together. <laughs> yeah. That's the point thing. And that's, that's, that's where I think it's easy to go, oh, like somebody says, oh, I want to add some conditioning at the end. It's easy to go, oh, that, that, and that, and just do it. But like, where are you going? Like, it's that foresight to go, how are we going to make this harder for this person down the road? Can we give them the minimal effective dose now so they can get progress? to then have more progress in the future, have more progress in the future. Cause that's all like, I say this one, it's something I repeat all the time. Like people love variety, etc. Cool, I get that. You want variety in your program, not a problem whatsoever. That's fun. But do you know what's really fun? Progress. Mm -hmm. You get someone progressing, that's fucking fun. It's fucking fun. Like making progress is fucking fun. 100%, all you wanna see is you are um, moving forward in the right direction. And how do you feel as though that actually aligns to almost like a customer journey and being able to keep clients uh, on a kind of trajectory that actually now allows them to stay with you for longer because they're now making progress. Like how uh, important do you feel as though that is? Yeah, from a coaching standpoint, that is what my journey wanna be. I am a gym floor coach. I'm someone who loves, that's my environment. That's the, where I thrive. And that, if I wanna keep people there, then the experience, if they are continually seeing progress, and I'm building that in, like using like smart, effective, clever programming, mm -hmm. then I'm, they're more likely to stay that, they're not more likely to stay. I'm challenging them both physically, getting them better there. I'm challenging them both complexity wise with a skill factor, 
they're getting better there. They're learning something which we all, like learning's fun. Like people like that, we don't do that very much now anymore. We just, most people, as you get to an adult, you just do your fucking job. You go home and you fucking watch Netflix and that's it. So actually learning a skill, etc., that's fucking fun. So you're making progress and you're like doing so new, I'm like, well, I'm not never gonna leave this guy. So it, like, if you can do that and you can like effectively plan that, cleverly plan that, then smartly plan that, then yeah, it's a winner. Yeah, and what I'm hearing is from that is like being able to have the foresight, the structure, and actually being able to actually have the logic and rationale in terms of what are the next steps I have the opportunity to know it to make, and there's logic with that instead of it just being, well, let me throw the kitchen sink at it. Oh, now I wanna change my program. So let me just give you a whole host of other variety and then I just change your program randomly and sporadically. And then a client is basically then creating a lot of value extraction just based upon your capacity to be able to create variety in their programming rather than actually allowing them to see the progression that they're actually able to make through well-informed, ed educated like uh, program design that actually is going to move them closer to their goals. Yeah, and there's a... There's a degree to like our jobs as coaches where you're taking the client on a journey and at some stage the, giant, the, the client is going to leave and that's what you want to do. You want it to get them to a stage where nutritionally they understand how, what calories are. They can pretty much look at a plate and understand what's in the food. Like training wise exactly the same. You want to be able to educate them to the point and the degree where if they were to go in a gym on holiday or they go to the gym on their own, they can lift like adequately, they can lift well. They know how to perform movements with good tempo, good control, good everything. But programming wise, you can build that in there and you can always have that as a point where they will come back to you because that's something, unless you've learned how to do that, they can't do themselves. They can just go back and do the same thing or they can go back and use a series of programs that you've given them, great. But in the end, that just wears off and that, that fun is gone. Whereas if you're clever about it and you can be structured about it and you can build that over a course of time and, that, and you've educated them well enough to see the purpose and the, the reasoning behind that, then you have a client for a considerably longer time, which they're staying for the right reasons. They're not staying because they depend upon you as in they need you to be your accountability. They're staying there because they want the skills that you're giving them in terms of like the, the, the progress that you're gonna make them. And when you're and the fun they're gonna have, sorry. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And if you're looking at it now, uh, when you sit down and you uh, obviously have uh, like a connection call with obviously one of our like coaches and then we're like looking at well, okay their program design where are they going what are they now uh, looking to do do you have um st structure and systems already in place that then get adapted and adjusted to the person um or is it i have an idea of where i'm going to take this individual let me put this in place first see how they respond and then the thing that i think does that now align to the response they've had and then i build that out yeah pretty much that is it we've got a general structure that we think where they're gonna, which is gonna suit them. Uh, we'll adapt that to whatever issues, niggles, like uh, short-term goals and looking at it as a, like when is the actual goal or whatever it is they wanna achieve in that particular time. And then from there, it's a case of, I basically have an idea of where we're gonna go from there, but then their feedback is the key thing off the back of that. And it's always gonna be, particularly with the guys we work with and which, which is why it's so good as well, it's like, you have a full range of uh, levels of autonomy that people want within their own practices and their own like their own training. And mm -hmm. I, I I like being part of that discussion, like trying to like maneuver, educate, and help in that way where where they want to go to whatever degree they 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 want to they want to have that. But we can we have like we have structures where we want to go. 
the feedback comes in, we then say, right, okay, we act on that feedback and we maybe have a slight tangent or a slight pivot point because of something. Goals change, like funnily enough, uh, as long as they don't change too quickly or what have you, but they do sometimes, therefore we go, go in another direction and we don't worry about that because that's just, uh, that's, that's, that's our job. Like we, we change and we go the other way. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were looking at um, a coach who was looking at trying to improve their coaching um, or their programming design and their ability to never to coach obviously around that, what are some of the places that you would now recommend that they could uh, almost like go and seek out um, that either you've used well, obviously through a uh, well, <laughs> high performance coach first and foremost, absolutely. Uh, but then again, if they were like looking at, right, okay, here's some other kind of great resources or places that I could go aside from the high performance coach, uh, what, 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 what and where would you kind of like typically recommend based upon what you've been through? Yeah, my, my, one of my biggest mentors is this guy called uh, Stefan Kazo at Kilo Strength, who's over in uh, Miami. So that would be one of, one of the big ones in terms of strength training and like long-term structuring of those things. Mm -hmm. And then off the back of that, like again, I've used Westside Barbell, I've used sort of Mike Boyle methods before, I've done their courses, the, uh, I've done the actual CSCS, Strength and Conditioning Coach for the National Strength and Conditioning Association, like, like the American like uh, foundation. Uh, and then in terms of aerobic stuff, I like Joel Jameson stuff, his like conditioning methods. Uh, there's, there's so many I've like done stuff with Jordan Shallow, like in person, um, BPAC from a bodybuilding standpoint, uh, even with like just the guys in the industry right now, uh, the guys who I worked with at FLF, had a lot of education stuff there, like Cal Rystrick, those guys, uh, who's like, he runs pro coach now. Just, just from that bodybuilding standpoint, I really enjoy Coach Kasim's sort of high, high trophy stuff, sort of N1, uh, doing his courses. I think it's like, I think it's really important to have an eclectic taste like in this environment, uh, particularly if you wanna be like a hybrid athlete, hybrid coach as well. I think you need to go into those different areas. And then from there, you just, you'll find that most people uh, have similar methods to it. Uh, they're talking about the same things, but just in their way. That's all it tends to be. Uh, the guys like Lou Lehman, Pat Davidson, et cetera, again, have their own methods. But again, when you actually break it down to the, to the nuts and bones of it, it's the, it, they are similar things. They're similar actual styles, uh, just packaged in their particular way of their, their way of selling it to the coaches. But I think if you, I, like obviously been in the industry for quite a long time now, and I've had that opportunity to go and learn from a lot of different people. And I think that's a great thing over time to do. But I think it's really important to like hone in on one particular style for a period, like learn, immerse it, train that way, uh, integrate it, and then go and actually have another spell of learning. But also make sure that you have a period where you're actually doing the do rather than just I'm going to go this, this, this course, now I'm do this course, now I'm doing this course, and just sort of like, you're just picking up certifications for the sake of it. It's really important to actually acknowledge, like, like actually train that particular style, work out if it works for you, work out if it works for your clients, implement it, and then take the best bits of it and then implement your, and find your style, like go and use all the different methods and just find your particular way, which is what we're doing and what we've, we're trying to develop here. Yeah, talking of doing the do, we talked last time about obviously how many times we've obviously cried uh, during uh, <laughs> during during cardiovascular activity. You trying to make crying? Obviously, now, sit, not not yet, mate. We're not doing it. We're not doing burpees in the back garden yet. Oh, but uh, not yet, anyway, mate. Um, 
since obviously the last time that we uh, that we obviously spoke, uh, mate, you obviously had um, some like obviously training structure and obviously training style uh, obviously in place with regards to like said goals obviously have changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where is where is Dan Reeve right now in terms of like his own training and his own structure and uh, mate, what do you now kind of see for you moving forwards? Going back, we did hybrid. We did sorry, Hyrox at the start of the year, didn't we? Again, great experience. Like having done it program differently now very very much differently okay let's explore that what would yeah, you what exactly would, what would you what would you change so again this is why as a coach like and the journey that we want to put together for our high performance coach going forward is to make sure that our coaches have been there done it like and have experienced sort of a lot of different things so when they're taking clients through those journeys they can actually do it from a point of view where like i've experienced this i can emphasize empathize with you because i've been there uh, and that high rock scenario definitely was like like all of the fun, all of the like the bits in the middle of the sort of like, uh, well, I suppose it's a stadium type thing, isn't it? Yeah, your lunges, your burpee, broad jumps, your wall balls, your sleds, etc. This is what you see the classes that they're all doing. And I get it, like you've got to do those things. But at the end of the day, the person who wins the race is going to be the guy who's got the fastest five to 10K time, basically. So we've realized that actually, like programming the guys is about like running fast like speed running a lot of running you're recovering while you're running so therefore like really the other bits are pretty not not saying they're token efforts but they're just there to tie you out a little bit if you're not conditioned enough running wise so once you're at a level of strength which most of the coaches that we sort of coach are you don't need to get any stronger at those particular things you might need to focus on your wall balls so you don't do 300 <laughs> like we did yeah no uh, rep. yeah no rep no rep yeah. haven't low enough now you missed it now you haven't low yeah. enough now you missed it now it's actually in the net it's now, it's <laughs> yeah. now actually gone over the if you say it one more time you're gonna hit in your face as well no, uh, but yeah we just we've, we've realized that they're running from the running aspect and that's why you've got to be you have to you have to throw your sort of hat in the ring to and go go there and do that in terms of my goals obviously it was meant to be lands and johnny groats unfortunately that's not happening which again there's a bit of relief in that but also like a void and there's a bit of period where it felt down like you lose your goal you haven't really got it so now going forward it's just going to be hopefully get over to france and do some cycling like just just get a bit of closure in terms of the work that i've done i think i'll probably go out again in the next few weeks i went out last week and i will purposely go to hit some high wattages and break some records because i know they're in me right mm -hmm. now so therefore i'm going to just take a few of them out uh, but it's going to be back to lifting four times a week, upper lower, really excited. Gyms like getting fitted as we speak almost. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that now. Yeah, dude. And just lifting, mate. So I was, I'm really looking forward to lifting. I haven't really, uh, like, I lifted the last, last week and I'm pretty sore even now, but I haven't really lifted for like three, four months now. So I'm excited to just get back lifting and like just getting the body going again. Yeah, we were saying obviously earlier when we were playing playing a game with Paul how when I met you three years ago we were training out your shipping container yeah. in, in, in a random car park <laughs> in the middle of Cornwall somewhere and uh, now if you are listening to this by the time this goes out Revo should have put on his Instagram uh, the new gym in the back garden, which looks absolutely incredible. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Which is getting gonna be, down and coming training as yeah, well. Yeah, which is which, which is going to be absolutely mega. Uh, final couple of questions, dude. What impact do you want to have on the high performance coach moving forward? I want to basically try to, like, the reason why I'm here is to make sure I wasn't leaving any potential on the table, and I was making sure I could affect as many people as possible. So education wise it's trying to just reach out and help as many of the coaches who are then obviously reaching out and helping the, the the general public so the more i can impact them the more conversations i can have with them like and the more 
uh, I can get in front of them, whether it be just to have conversations like this about different methods of training or whether it be actually on the gym floor and like taking people through movements and like just trying to upskill and like leave the industry in a better place. Like I'm fortunate enough to have been in this long. I'm hopefully gonna end up only ever working as a coach. Therefore, I wanna make sure I've like, it's, I'm leaving it in a better place than what I've, I came into it as. I love that. What is one challenge or one thing that you see that somebody has now done that you think, that is definitely not me and that's something I would now never do. Because the way in which I, I view that and the reason I ask you that question is we're cut from the same cloth and the majority of things I see, I'm like, yep, I would do that. Yep, I would do that. Yes, I would 100% do that. Is there anything that you've now seen that you'd be like, that is absolutely mental and or isn't my cup of tea in terms of like physical, physical challenge? I don't know. There's not much. I'm not, I'm not like we both mentioned it earlier about the marathon de Saab, not really my thing, not really a fan of heat for one. <laughs> Sand doesn't really appeal to me. I'm not really a fan of extreme. I, I don't mind cold, but I don't like, I, like I tell you now, ever, I wouldn't want to do Everest. Mm. I have no, I have no desire to climb a mountain like to the, whatever, like, like heights, not my thing for one. I'm not, don't really need to be in the cold for that long period of time either. Like, so yeah, that's probably not gonna be my, not gonna be one I'm gonna do. Yeah, dude. I'm Until you. somebody says you can't, then <laughs> that might be going anyway. <laughs> yeah, a cue on the DMs, you're yeah, gonna exactly get off the back right. of this. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, no, 250, 250 yeah. grand or whatever yeah. it costs. Now all of a sudden there'll be a coach in the program. All right, mate, just gonna plan to climb Everest. You got any experience in that? Oh shit, now I'm gonna have to go and do the- Remortgage the house. You have to go and do the do, <laughs> so I can fully experience what it's like. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. No, absolutely incredible. What about you? Um, Mate, I'm probably similar. A couple, I think obviously, again, like extreme heat doesn't really kind of uh, sit with me whenever I've done that. I think that's always like something I'm like, do you know what? I think that would uh, just, yeah, not, not really my cup of tea. I'm the same. I agree with you with Everest. Like I've watched obviously all the NIM stuff and it's like absolutely amazing. Like the thought, it's just unbelievable, so cool. unbelievable and so incredibly inspiring. But at the same time, like uh, the desire to climb Everest, I don't believe is in there. Uh, and also mate, the other one that really stands out for me that I've had a few offers to actually do, um, that's just never really kind of appealed to me would be um, like, like rowing across rowing the, yeah, yeah. yeah, rowing across the Atlantic or something along, something yeah. along those lines. Um, again, what I say, like never say never like no but just not something that i'd be like actively wanting then to go and go yeah actually do you know what? i'm gonna go and give that a go yeah. because i feel as though that i've got that kind of itch that i need to scratch definitely yeah. i think for me now any big challenge like that has got to be it's got to combine with my values more than it had done like previously if you know what i mean i was like previously i would have gone for it because there was some other reason like or some like anger or fear or like it just sounded something that's pretty cool whereas now it'd have to be like it would involve a lot of traveling or a lot of nice things or involve my wife or something along those lines rather than it be just for the sake of me just going to do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think sometimes, again, when you uh, are at different stages, you're like, well, yeah, I can go and do all this cool stuff and I, it doesn't really matter. Whereas I think you get to a point where it's like, what are the trade-offs and what's the cost? Like, obviously, I'm planning on doing a, a monumental physical challenge next year um, that will be the best part of three plus weeks plus then obviously all the training time that's obviously going to have to go into that. And it's like, that's been in my head for like the last three or four years and I'm so incredibly committed to that and I know the intention and the reason that I'm doing that. But it's taken me a good number of years off the back of doing like some other stuff to get to that point again. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is as well, it's like you can't just go from like thing to thing to thing to thing. Like you always need like this period of time obviously just to be able to stabilize and maintain before then you explore and then think about what is the next thing I really want to do because I know previously I've got caught up in like well I've just completed this challenge 
right, let me go and find the next thing that I need to do. But you don't give yourself that breathing space and the opportunity to either A, enjoy what you've been able to like just accomplish and achieve, B, you don't fully recover. And then C, you're just doing something just because you feel as though that you need to do it because that's what you've been so kind of like conditioned and used to. But then you're just ending up doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Instead of actually now doing it because it's in alignment with like you and your values, you know? Yeah. And like you can easily, that can, I think when you're younger, it's a lot easier to happen. But it's like when we talked about, when I, when I talked about education wise, <laughs> like there's a period of time when you go and do that and then there's a period you implement afterwards. And I think with, with goals when they're, when they're that big and the stuff that you've, you and I have done afterwards, if you don't, if you don't then go back to normal life, you don't reflect, you don't go and spin the other plates. Like you can suddenly start to like friends, etc. Your social life, when you commit to these things, like pretty much goes. So therefore you need to go and make sure you still have aspects of that as well, because they're not, they're, they'll, people will move on, etc. And like family will move on, like relationships can break down. Business can just go, can just gone because you've committed so much to this. Like business can also thrive at those times because they, people love a journey and love mm -hmm. seeing, seeing those things happening, but can also go the other way if you haven't got the support, etc. So yeah, I think it's, it's right to, to have it, do it, and then sit back, reflect, like get your plates back, get your ducks back in line again, and then go, right, okay, it's in us, it's not going to go away, is it? Let's be honest. But that would be that would be awesome. Just to make be... sure that Paul is not listening to this because <laughs> she's quite relieved the lads are trying to go to until she sees you in the lock tomorrow well, yeah. swimming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the ferry. Missed the ferry and just decided to swim. swim yeah, three k back. Got, oh, got a mug for it again now. <laughs> so we're over, over in Danoon, which we had to get a ferry over, and then Revo gets to the other side, and we look back at the where we've just come from. It's like. Like, what do you reckon? 3K? How long do you reckon that'll take to <laughs> how long do you reckon that'll take to swim? Like all of a sudden just in our head, just yeah, trying to start just going. trying to just trying to think, actually, how long would that take actually? Is that possible? How tidal is yes. it? <laughs> could, we, could we actually do that? <laughs> Definitely. Team, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Mr. Namri, thank you so much, Thanks, dude. Mate. And uh, until next time, guys, I hope to speak to you soon.